You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am Derek. I am one of your two hosts. Your other host, Ryan, is right here. Yes, I am. Thank you for bringing that up, Derek. I am here. Yeah, well, I I thought people should know. I'm live from our podcast studio in Kansas City, Kansas. Derek, I think you are in the Bahamas. (laughs) Somewhere, (laughs) QS maybe. I know that you are uh, just you only fly on the finest finest planes and that you go to the finest podcast offices so i can only assume that you're somewhere there yeah yeah if you, if you listen closely you can hear the seagulls <laughs> that was nah. a seagull i'm pretty sure i heard yeah uh, in maybe the background there um but i'm no bird expert so who knows that's probably just because i keep feeding them you know but uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Nicolas Cage movies. We Indeed. are your Nicolas Cage movie review podcast. And this week, episode 37 of the show, we are talking about season of the witch from 2011 season of the witch that stars Nicolas Cage and Ron Perlman. One of several movies that they've done together, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee has a small role. Uh, co-stars Claire Foy. And uh, those are the the, kind of the main people that you would probably recognize from the movie. Uh, What the movie is, uh, 14th century knights transport a suspected witch to a monastery where monks deduce that her powers could be the source of the Black Plague. That's not really a very good synopsis, but uh, that's what's on IMDb. So there you go. That's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Ryan you like to take notes while we watch these movies. And then we like to go through said notes. Indeed. What, what do you got for us? Well, I think this is just to be clear the, what the second medieval era, Nick cage movie we've done that we've we covered. Did, yes. We've, we've done the one with Anakin Skywalker outcast. That was episode 15, right? Where he's oh. a white savior. Yes. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen that movie and then this one, I'm looking forward to more medieval because you know i don't know he he works in that setting for me even if the movie's bad like you can tell he just really likes being there yeah um he actually learned to sword fight and ride horses for this movie i'm gonna be honest i found out that this movie had a choreographer and that was really surprising to me based on the fight (laughs) scenes but you know well, there were Sorry. extensive, extensive reshoots. If you were the choreographer on this movie and I just really offended you, I'm very sorry, but you need to do your job better. The The movie saw, uh, so br- they brought in Brett Ratner to do the reshoots for mm. some reason, Mr. X-Men The Last Stand. Uh, Dominic Cena was the original director, but did not oversee the, re- the extensive supposed resh- reshoots that this movie had. And this movie took 11 years to get made. In total, they've been trying to make this movie for 11 years, and this was the final product. I'm just going to throw that out there. Have you, did you look at the poster on IMDb? It's really interesting because Nicolas Cage is written in big letters at the top. Yeah. And then it says Season of the Witch and Ron Perlman and like almost completely camouflaged letters right underneath that. Uh huh. Uh huh. That seems interesting to me. Anyway. And it, and it was a January release, which is always a good sign 
for yeah. this January. That's, that's where they put somehow. all their best movies, you know, all the best January, January, February. That that way you get that one week where you can say the you know best movie of the year. That's true. You do get that. <laughs> you know? So starting off, we started off this movie in a uh, a town named Village. Yep. Which I thought was it's spelled Village, but the way everybody says it, it just sounds like they're saying Village. Mm-hmm. And it's a town, so I just thought that was humorous. So that was my first note. Um, yeah, we see a lot of locations at the beginning. It's a bit of a montage. Yes, well, that's that's a little bit. I think that one was a little bit after this part. But so right at the beginning, we get the hanging of the witches. Oh, right, right. The of the, of the when I say witches, I'm saying it in quotes because historically, you know, there's some weird things going on um, with. That just women being falsely accused of being witches, witches. I can't say for sure whether witches exist, so maybe they weren't all false, but it seemed like a way to just keep women down that were causing a ruckus. Now, according to this right. movie, at least one of those three women was supernatural in some way. Because correct, she does not I don't die. think this is. I think that this is loosely based on real uh, <laughs> things. Like it had, takes place during the Crusades, which is a thing that really happened, or like. You know, the witch trials and witch hangings were a thing. So I guess that really happened. Um, the Black Plague was a real thing. It really happened. You could um, say this falls in the inspired by a true right, story. Similar to Snowden. I would put it really <laughs> close to Snowden, you know, in the amount of truth that's in the movie. Wow. Wow. Um, anyway, yeah, we get this really kind of graphic scene of uh, three women uh, being put with nooses around their neck on a bridge which this was kind of a different kind of hanging than what I've seen in movies before. So I thought that was interesting, Mm. but uh, you know, one of them is begging for their life and saying that they were a witch and that uh, they're, you know, they are want to believe in the real God and that they believe in the real God and they want forgiveness for their transgressions, trying to save themselves. But really the, the priest is there just tells them that that's for saving their soul and their body still needs to go or something along those lines. And they basically flip them with the noose over the edge of the bridge. And uh, they just hang off the bridge that way. And it's pretty graphic. And then they lower the bodies into the water. So they'll drown. drown. If they weren't already dead. They're supposed to go and do this other thing. And the guys are like, yeah, hung and drowned is enough is dead enough. I think. Right. It's like they never heard of Rasputin. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not a history major or anything, so maybe Rasputin hadn't happened yet. But... Yeah, I think that was later. Oh, well, he learned from this, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in any case, the priest goes and stops the guards, and he and he tells them that uh, that they need to perform this sacred ritual from this weird, bejeweled, bedazzled uh, holy book that they carry <laughs> around that looks like an eight-year-old made it. It's a special um, book of Solomon. Right, it's got... Yeah, it's just got like little rhinestones and stuff on it. It's really weird looking, but um, yeah, the Book of Solomon, exactly. Um, but yeah, they 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 tell him, oh, we drown we drowned them and hung them, so they're taken care of. You don't need to do that. Well, then he starts pulling the bodies up and doing it anyway. Um, until priest, one of yeah. them, the priest, yeah, and and until one of the bodies comes to life and drowns him, they pull he. The, He's trying to like pull the ropes up from the bridge and somehow the wit the witch or whatever it is, you know, yanks the rope back and knocks him into the water and 
and kills him. Kills him? No, I can't remember. I don't think we really know. Yeah, we don't see. You don't see the death, but it's implied that he gets attacked at the very least by this supernatural force. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the Hound from Game of Thrones was uh, one of the guards, which I thought oh was right, yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought I was like, he looks familiar, and that's what he is. Yeah, he he was just a pup back then, right? And uh, yeah, I from this opening scene, I was getting. I don't know if you did, but I was getting major Evil Dead vibes. Oh, the way the like, darkness kind of yeah, Evil Dead Army of Darkness. Yeah, the way the witches were like were moving was very deadite like, and the way they looked. That's interesting. I did not uh, make that connection, but I totally see it. Yeah, it was yeah. That, that was basic. That wasn't the only place where I had got Evil Dead vibes, but. I feel really weird comparing it to Evil Dead because Evil Dead is one of my favorite franchises and this movie was more enjoyable than I expected it to be, but definitely like still in the middle tier of Nick Cage movies, solidly. Um, anyway, yes, that whole scene's happened. He gets cut, he gets attacked by the, the witch or whatever it happens to be at that point. And uh, then we cut to the desert and we get Nick Cage fighting people. And then yeah. we cut to the snow and we get Nick Cage and Ron Perlman fighting people. And then we cut to a tropical palace where Nick Cage and Ron Perlman are fighting people. And then we cut to <laughs> a moldy castle where Nick Cage and Ron Perlman are killing people. And then we cut to a sewer where Nick Cage and Ron Perlman are killing people. And it's literally like a, a montage that goes to 10 or 12 different places of him just massacring people in the name of his God. Uh, every time has their like leader or what I don't know how it was in that time, but th- they have like a person following him around telling him they kill in the name of God. Yeah, he's one of the priests, a priest slash military leader of some kind. But and Nick and Ron just keep joking about who's going to buy the rounds after the battle. Yeah, it's a very uh, Gimli Legolas type mm-hmm. of scenario where they're like, oh, if I kill more of these innocent people in the name of God, then I'll uh, then you buy drinks or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of a running gag throughout the film. But I think uh, like ten years or so go by. It's a lot of time, and he gets more and more beard throughout the thing, and his hair is blonde, which I thought was interesting. It was a good look for him. I actually thought the blonde hair suited him. It reminded me of Conair. <laughs> was his hair blonde in that? I thought it was more like brown. It's a light brown. There's In the sun, it's kind of but gleaming. It's, it's like blonde in this movie, it is. though. Yeah. yeah, straight up. Um, and in the, at this part, you know, when we're seeing all these fights and everything is when I'm starting to check them check the box on our bingo card for bad action sequence mm. because almost almost not all of them but almost every action sequence in this fight was full of shaky cam or in this movie was full of shaky cam and just lots of cuts um you know where you couldn't see who was really doing the action you're just assuming it's nick cage but it was probably a stunt double or ron perlman it was probably a stunt double maybe i don't know yeah um so that I marked that point pretty early on on our bingo card. So arcade Joe bingo. Fair uh, enough. So yeah, at the end of one of these fights, they realize that they their like whole squad of uh, religious zealots just murdered a bunch of women and children in the name of the God, their God, their Christian God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is not okay with that. Nick Cage is not okay with that. He goes and talks to his, or he hears his that same religious commander guy spouting off about how what they're doing is, is, you know, going to send them to heaven and, you know, they're, they're on the right side of God and everything else. 
And then Nick Cage brings up that they're killing women and children. And uh, the dude does not like to hear that, obviously. And so Nick Cage quits being a knight, which apparently is a thing you can do. Well, no, it's not. They're deserters. Yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to do that. But I guess it does happen. So I wonder, does that count on our Cage Obingo as Nick is a criminal? Well, it says a former criminal, but like he's a deserter who ends up stop. He stops being a deserter. Does that make him a criminal? Does working for the government count as being a knight for the king? I mean, I don't know. I think I would. I would say so. I think so because it's military. He's he's a knight. He is in the military of the era. Yeah, I I guess that's fair. I didn't mark that box off, but I did. We did talk about it briefly about whether that that counts. counts. I think yeah. that one counts. That doesn't that doesn't change my outcome on my board, but it's good to know. I'm not going to spoil what that outcome is, <laughs> but you can probably guess. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So they quit. They're, the Crusades are over for Nick and Nick and Ron. Um, yeah, and so they just like walk away, and nobody stops them. I guess. And uh, they just start traveling and they run across this barn type of or some sort of house, you know, with a barn or something like that. It's some big it's like, a farm. It's yeah. a farmstead, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's abandoned. And so they go inside and it doesn't look like it's been abandoned for that long. But uh, they go in and find the seemingly the owners lying in bed together and they are discussing. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And, it, it's some like Resident Evil type looking stuff. Yeah, a lot of the the body horror type. I don't know if that would be considered body horror, but it's like uh, you know weird things growing out of people's bodies, and, and they didn't I, they didn't hide that at all. I mean, they showed you everything. It was pretty pretty gnarly looking. Most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse my eighties uh, skater lingo, but yeah, it was it was very gruesome. Yes. Um, and while they're looking at it, of course, one of the corpses like has its final muscle tension release or whatever, and like lunges for a second. But Nick is not scared. I don't know if you noticed that, but he didn't move. <laughs> this guy is like stone cold. Well, he's been fighting the Crusades for a decade. You know, imagine what they he's are, seen. They aren't gross people covered in, you know, whatever that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's like, true. That's true. Um. So yeah, they decide to immediately commit casual arson, which is not a uh, a square on our board, but maybe <laughs> no, it should it's be. Not. We have had several movies where he's lit things on fire. So. I don't, I don't, I don't know if this counts as casual arson though. Like he clearly sees it like something happened to these people, and he's burning it because and like, he's like, oh, I need to burn down their entire farmstead because they got sick. Well, well, that's not a normal illness. He doesn't. He's not a doctor. I imagine he's never seen that before. Okay, well, he's probably never seen, you know, the ocean before, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Well, I don't, I don't know necessarily I'm just saying, that he would try and catch the ocean on fire, but, you know. He probably would. I mean, he just <laughs> lights everything on fire when he thinks it's weird, apparently. Uh, uh, yeah, so they, they, they keep moving and they get to this town. And as they approach it, you literally can see just ravens or or crows or some sort of black bird just circling this town. Maybe vultures, I guess it could have been. I don't know. But there is a crap ton of birds and they are circling this town. They're nowhere else. Yeah. It just looks like a bird nato over the town. Look, I, and- I want to provide a hot tip for our listeners. 
if you're going to a town and you see just giant black birds circling that town don't go into that town it right? seems like probably something's bad yeah, that's what my note said is uh <laughs> birds circling town not at all on- ominous go somewhere else like, oh yeah we should just go here it's fine <laughs> well now to be fair so ron perlman's character his name is felson felson says they should go around not because of the birds because he doesn't want to get recognized but still right. he does say go around <laughs> they probably just see the birds in those ages as like chickens and you just shoot them down and eat them or something i don't know but maybe who knows not a lot uh, of shooting he, happened in this movie they're probably like mm, some good eating well oh, bows okay. and arrows i mean yeah there weren't even those but i mean they existed during those times sure I don't um, think that our our two heroes had had bows. I don't think so either. They're knights, so they were all about the sword play. But yeah, they get into they go into town despite the ominous bird circling and uh, the the bird NATO above them, and they uh, start doing stuff, buying things, get preparing for a longer journey. They get new horses, things like that. Um, and as they're getting their new horses, his sword falls out. Nick Nick's sword falls out of its really stealthy fabric wrap <laughs> uh it's it's literally just it looks like a a roll of fabric that's the length of a sword uh and it's not flexible so i don't know what they would have thought was in there but um, well, no, it's yeah. not that he had a sword it's that it's they that saw was, the crest right yeah the that's handle the like problem. slides out and yeah. uh, they see they see that he's a knight templar or whatever and uh and that he's abandoned his post, so they get arrested. They get they get stopped by a bunch of uh, the guards, and they fight some of them. And then they're they're like, "Okay, fine, we'll go." And so they put him in jail. And then a priest comes and get him and says, "Oh, the king wants to talk to you, or the whatever he is." Was he a king? Well, for, well we do get our first glimpse of the supposed witch because she's in the dungeon too. She's in the next cell. Oh over. yeah. yeah. Right. And we see immediately because the movie does this a lot. So I just want to call it the first time it happens immediately. Nick Cage's character, uh, which is Bayman, ha- like is enthralled with this woman. She's actually just credited as the girl. It's Claire Foy's character. He's like enthralled with her. And it basically ties back into the fact that like he accidentally killed like this innocent woman and like the last battle that he was in in the crusades and he's feeling very guilty about that yeah i don't know if enthralled is the word i would use but he's definitely like interested in this person because she's not acting normal uh you know she's acting a little off and i feel like that has caught his attention um but yeah then they get taken to the king um uh, is it a king? I don't know. Mayor. He he's he's a cardinal, okay. uh, but it's Christopher Lee, which is pretty yes, cool. Yes, which he I thought he looked familiar, but you can't really tell it's him. It's because, the voice. It's the voice. Yeah, he's like he again is in all this kind of plague makeup that has like you know things bubbling out of his flesh and his mouth is kind of messed up yeah it's all kind of weird and you know i guess if you look at the facts on imdb that they had to like dub over everything he said because when you have facial appliances like that you can't really speak properly which um i mean in hindsight that's obvious he spoke very clearly for somebody that had this kind of weird mouth thing happening but um yeah so he talks to him and this guy's like i think the source of this black plague is uh is a witch and i need you to take her to 
this uh, monastery where they have the last copy of the Book of Solomon, which is the the bejeweled book from the beginning of the um, beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And there, there's got burned up. I guess we forgot to mention that that book got burned up at the beginning of the movie. Right. So this is the last copy, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I need you to take this witch from the prison and take her all the way to this monastery where they have this copy of this book and they can perform a ceremony and make her normal again or whatever. So they're like, uh, no, we won't do it. And they get put back in jail. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, I guess we'll do it. Well, he's got this great line uh, where he... he... <laughs> He's like, he says uh, something about how like he he's a man of God but not of the church. Yeah, um, and it's just it's a it's a really really great line, and I wish I I had it. I should have I should have kept. Oh, that's I serve the church no more. Yeah, which is fair. <laughs> I mean, depending on your belief system. Um, but yeah, he he's finally is like, okay, I'll, I accept your quest, and then he goes about forming a full D and D party. <laughs> Ron Perlman is the barbarian. Nick Cage is the fighter. They have a cleric. Actually, Nick Cage is more of a paladin, like an oathbreaker type paladin. But then yeah. uh, you have the cleric traveling with you. Um, you have the like new the greenhorn that's with you that you have to train your squire or whatever. That you one person in your party who just picked a human human for some yeah, reason. Right. You have the rogue that's like <laughs> kind of sketchy because he sells uh you know trinkets that are you know fake historical trinkets to be fair we actually never learn if he sells bogus stuff or not. no but it's implied that he's like a charlatan it's implied but you know we don't know if he's being falsely accused nick, part of the forming the dnd party is that nick is like well i need somebody to lead us that's been there before and so they're they're like i know this shady salesman that can take you there and the guy's like oh yeah i've been there a hundred times we have to just go through this forest of the wilds that is is so easy to get lost and murdered there but we go right through it it's no problem i know the path so you have literally like every bit of the DD party covered and the witch i guess could be the spellcaster or whatever but she doesn't you know the spellcaster that hates your party but uh, yeah, so they do that and they throw the witch in the cage and uh, in, in like a rolling cage. It's literally a carriage that just has wooden bars all around it. And like this, this all powerful witch is apparently too so powerful that she can't break wood, wooden or iron bars or whatever it is. I mean, either way, it's it's not a sturdy thing. It didn't look that sturdy. What did you think? Well, keep keep in mind, like at this point, right, the whole thing is that sh- they think she's a witch because she caused the plague yeah, and she is just like confessing to that. Supposedly we never actually saw her confess to that. That happened before we met her, but she supposedly had confessed to that. So yeah, it's not like she's like performing magic in front of people. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I don't know, like it it was the 14th century. Maybe that was as good of a rolling jail as they could make. I don't know. Sure. But like this witch that can cause a plague can't like get past some, bars on a wooden carriage i mean she was in a dungeon and hadn't gotten out yeah but that at least has stone walls and stuff i mean and like a metal gate that's no different than the carriage sure but the carriage floor is presumably not like iron i yeah, don't know I, mean, I just thought it was a know. little weird i mean look at the at the end of the day i mean spoiler alert but we find out why she can't escape from the carriage yeah um 
then we get some green screen horseback riding, which unfortunately is again not a uh, not a thing on our bingo card. Well, let me ask: Is that the same as green screen driving? That's what I'm saying. I, I, it's not a traditional. No, I mean you don't drive a horse. Nobody says I'm driving my horse this weekend. Well, so what if, if he was if it was green screen motorcycle riding? That wouldn't count. Right. That's correct. Wow. Okay. The whole point is that they're in a car and you see terrible green screen behind it. But yes, okay. uh, it was a, well, do, does this count as a low speed car chase, even though they're horses? Like, I mean, I don't know. Well, who's on. chasing them? We're semantics now. I don't know. There's Nobody probably chasing somebody them. chasing them. I don't know. They have to get chased at some, oh, the wolves at one point. That doesn't count. Um, but yeah. Maybe another vehicle chasing them, another carriage. Yeah. Okay. Well, in any case. <laughs> Yeah, there's some green screen. You can't get Nick uh, doing any kind of uh, traveling without using green screen behind him, whether it's a car or a motorcycle or a uh, horse. Well, so a lot of that actually, in this case, unfortunately, is due to the reshoots because the original film was mostly shot on location. But the reshoots, you could definitely tell you could definitely tell which ones were the reshoots because, yeah, the green screen was really obvious. And and when they were actually shooting you know, the horseback riding scenes, they looked good. I mean, it looked fine. It, nothing stood out. I was actually surprised at how good it looked, but the green screen did not look good. So, yep. Um, so yeah, then Klaus from Umbrella Academy shows up and he's the squire or whatever, the guy that wants to be a knight. Oh, okay. Up. Um, okay. yeah, if you've ever seen Umbrella Academy, it's a much different character in that show than what Kay, it is here. Kai, Kai. Kai, yeah, and he wants to be a knight, and he'll do anything to be a knight, and he offers to like squire or whatever for uh for Nick and Ron, and uh, they they make him fight Ron Perlman. We're like, oh, this like five foot eight kid that weighs a hundred pounds, soaking wet. Let's have him fight two hundred and sixty pound, six foot five Ron Perlman with swords. Live swords. swords. You know, this seems like a good way to test this kid's metal. And big surprise, the, the kid gets the shit kicked out of him. I mean, he gets a couple licks in, but, you know, the, I guess they just admire his gumption. And they're like, okay, you can come with us. Well, well, Bayman does. Felson yeah. does not care for the kid. Felson wants to kill the kid. Right. Yeah. Which seems like a reasonable thing to do. He did follow <laughs> them after being told, don't follow us. And I did think, I don't know if you caught it, but like leading up to this, when they were meeting with the king a couple of times, they did have lingering shots on that character a few times. And I'm like, why are they focused yeah. on this kid that that seemingly is meaningless at this point? But then, yeah, you find out why later. But still, it was funny. It was you know, that literally just like four or five seconds of just a shot of this kid reacting. I mean, the kid's got guts, though. He's like, this is a For public sure. road. I'm allowed to be here just as much as you are. Yeah. And. You know, Nick is kind to this witch, uh, in quotes, which, um, yeah, he keeps demanding that she get a fair trial at the yeah, monastery. He, that was one of his conditions for taking on the quest. He gives her blankets and food. Um, yeah, he's, he's pretty kind to her. Uh, and she tells him, uh, that the priest is that she doesn't want to be alone with the priest, and she implies that he has violated her uh and it was abusive and use nick while they were in the prisons together saw that she had some major like damage to her back scars and like wounds and things mm-hmm. like that 
Um, so that kind of lends to the fact that maybe the priest is abusing her in some way. I I got the implication that it was like a sexual abuse type of situation. Oh, I didn't get that. Maybe that was, I don't know. I, it was a weird, the way she reacted was, I don't know. It was. Well, she's trying I, to manipulate Bayman. Right. She was, but we don't know if there's necessarily a layer of truth to that as well. I mean, she probably just didn't hurt herself to get those wounds on her back. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think it's certainly possible for both the the girl and the the priest to both be bad people. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And and the priest did seem sketchy AF. Yes. A lot of this movie. Very much. And it turns out not sketchy, but he did give those vibes. I don't know. Just because he was right about this doesn't make him like absolved and like a good person necessarily. No, but he wasn't like trying to get one over on anybody. He he was ju- he was correct and he was just trying to do what he thought was right. Now, I don't agree with, you know, if there was abuse, obviously, but throughout what we see in the movie from him, he was on the up and up. I suppose. Uh, as much as you hate that, um, so then, <laughs> then the witch, the witch escapes. He, she uh, manipulates one of the uh, one of the red shirt, the red shirt that's traveling with Aww. the group, to come up to the cage, and he's he's Eckhart. also he's also kind, yeah, uh, to this witch, and so she like grabs him and gets out. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but he, she like attacks well, him. And... She she grabs him, and that gets the priest to run over. And the priest has the key around his neck, so she grabs. And she grabs the key. His necklace stabs the priest yeah. with his cr- own cross, which begs some interesting kind of logistical questions about what happens later. It's it's hard to talk about this. I guess you know without jumping too far ahead, but we find out spoilers that she's not a witch. She's actually possessed by a, a demon. Right. Um, so theoretically, she she shouldn't have been able to touch a cross or even really the priest for that. I mean, unless our 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 definition of a demon is not. I mean, we we know what the common American mythology is for a demon. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's true in the context of this movie. Well, but she like you know shies away from the cross when it comes out, right? The holy water, you know, things like that. So it just seems like that's the one time that it doesn't follow the rules. I guess, but. I mean, they it's their universe. They can pick and choose exactly what they want. From that, that is mythology, true. You know, without us having to question everything. But yes, according to general mythology, that, that would be something that a demon couldn't do. Um, so then we get Nick Cage animal abuse. Was this the wolves? I, I mean, feel like this happened before the wolves. See, he did something that was... Yeah, the the wolves is later. So they because they go out and they have to get the girl back. Right. And they end up in this kind of like dug into the ground labyrinth that we learn is a mass grave. And she manipulates Kai or not Kai Eckhart into thinking he hears and sees his daughter. And he ends up running straight into Kai who stabs him and, and, and kills him. Yeah. Right. And then we end up getting the girl back. She just all of a sudden is just kind of back. And that's all explained later in the movie about why that goes the way that it does. But the oh, yeah, this was later. this was the this was the scene where they were all in like that weird quarry looking thing, right? It, it was a mass grave. Is that? Oh, that's what. Well, 
yeah but there's like tunnels there's like tunnels leading to it yeah yes. so it, yeah. it felt like a quarry but yeah it ended up being a mass grave um yeah weird scene but i don't remember what the animal abuse was what was the animal abuse there i mean there so the, so there is a dog that's eating some that's of the what dead it is. bodies yeah and he like kicks it or something but I mean, it's a pretty aggressive dog that's eating human flesh. So yeah, that, I mean, this is not like a domesticated dog. Right. Like, it's not your pet. Like, it's know, eating it's not, a human body, you it's know. It's not your little chihuahua. It's, this, is a, this is a dog that, like, has seen some shit. And... Right, it's not like Jack Black and Anchorman. He doesn't just punt a dog. Right, I mean, he kicks a dog, a feral dog, essentially, that was eating human flesh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still technically animal abuse, but probably one that's a little more forgivable than... You know? I don't know if it counts as abuse if the thing is going to like chew your throat off. You know, <laughs> Was the dog being threatening to him? I felt like it was just it, eating its meal. But once it saw them, it like starts snarling and growling and all these things. And you're watching it eat another human. So like, I, I feel like getting rid of the dog is, a, is not abuse at that point. Right. You know, it's like, it, you know, if, if a wolf is out like later, like the wolves, right? Like that's not abuse. It's yeah. Self-defense. True. You know. I mean, I guess depending on the viewpoint, it could be considered abuse, but we're kind of getting into the weeds there. Um, so after the mass grave thing where she yeah. kind of acts all meek and please save me, don't let don't let him near me. And, you know, all that. by stuff. the way, Claire Foy is very good in this role. Yeah, I think I, ha- I have that somewhere in these notes that she was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that I haven't seen her in more things is weird to me. Because like. I think if I was in this world, I totally would have bought into her manipulations. I think she was just, she really sold it. Yeah. Very well. I agree. I mean, I guess she's been in some good stuff, just not stuff that I necessarily have watched. Yeah. I mean, she was in 23 episodes of the crown, which is, you know, very critically acclaimed. It's just not something you or I typically watch. Right. Um, You know, so she's clear. She's in stuff, Uh, but she was, she was a bright spot in this movie. For sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get that uh, whole scene with the mass grave, and then they're they get her back in the cage, and they're traveling toward the monastery, and then we get the whole bridge scene, which they come across this bridge that looks like it's been rotted out, you know, it hasn't been used in a long time, and they go to the guide and go, "Hey, guide, <laughs> I thought you take this. I thought you take this all the time." And this kind of leads more to the fact that he could be a little bit of a charlatan about you know things that he's involved in. And he's like, "Oh, I did. It didn't look like this when I left it last time. It was like nine years ago, or yeah, whatever. exactly. It's been ten years or whatever since he's been there. But yeah, the bridge is all rotted out. And of course, the first thing that Nicholas Cage does is grab his horse and starts walking across the bridge, and he gets across. He brings the horse across and then he's he uh, tells the others to bring the horses across and they get the horses across. But then because the horses are already across, they have to go back and move the carriage by hand mm-hmm. that has her trapped in it. And uh, so she they're, they're pulling it across. And of course, you know, it's going to happen. The bridge starts fraying. Somebody falls through. And it was that the it was uh, the Umbrella Academy Klaus guy. Kai. And he, when yeah. he falls through, they grab the witch had grabs him and easily lifts him up. And there's a few times in this in this movie where she shows immense strength, mm-hmm. well beyond that of somebody her size. Uh, and this is one of those where she's seemingly lifting. I mean, to be fair, he probably weighed like a hundred pounds, but she grabs him by the very, wrist very with easily. one hand, and yeah. it's effortless. 
yeah and she they're struggling to get this thing across the bridge before it breaks so she's like let me out i can help let me out i can help and of course they don't but they eventually get it across the bridge after much suspense on a suspension bridge you know it was wonderful um (laughs) any thoughts on that scene derek before we move on I mean, it was a little cliche, but I thought it was very well done. I thought the special effects, it looked really good. It didn't look like they were sitting on a terrible green screen or anything like that. There's some very kind of like intense moments to it, right? Because they've got, they've kind of created like a pulley system in a way. And, you know, the priest is just like bleeding through his bandages out because he's been stabbed in in the hand, you know, and I, I liked it. I thought it did build some interesting suspense. And at that point, you're still not really sure yet if she's really a witch or anything. I mean, once she catches Kai, it's pretty clear there's something up, but that's towards the end of the scene. So up until that point, you're like, like they're like, she could fall and die. Right. Well, like, but there's one point she's fighting uh, people and she, Ron Perlman's character comments on the amount of strength that in she the has. dungeon. Yeah. yeah. But even so. then, like it could have just been that she was like crazed trying to escape for her life. Kind of sure. But that doesn't necessarily know. make you like able to out muscle a guy no, there's like the, the mom that lifts the car off the kid kind of thing you know desperate times yeah a person that hasn't had proper nutrition uh in like potentially weeks and yeah, all those guys have the plague so yeah i guess <laughs> um okay so yeah then we get the wolf scene which is basically what it sounds like a bunch of wolves a lot uh, oh of so wolves. the 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 witch uh woman howls and gets all the wolves to go after them and uh, spoiler alert the dog dies they kill a lot of wolves. A lot. A lot um, of wolves. It's very sad. I never like seeing that, but you know, it is what it is. I also, small side note, video game ma- makers, don't make me kill wolves and dogs. That's messed up. Yeah. I don't want to do that. No. It makes me feel like a jerk every time that happens. Yeah. Looking at you, The Last of Us. Looking at you, every <laughs> Assassin's Creed game that uses dogs as guard do- like guards <laughs> in a village, and I have to either kill them or maim them somehow yeah. yeah anyway that was that was a little side rant for you but I mean, yeah even tears of the kingdom has wolves that attack you that's what i'm saying unnecessary yeah, if is. my dog recoils when they hear these noises that the dogs make oh, it's too much yeah, yeah fair enough it's too much i shouldn't have to hear my dogs reacting to me mutilating their brethren uh, anyway my major side old. note she's like whatever <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, there was a lot of wolves killed in the scene, and they weren't house dogs. They weren't your little chihuahua. They were big, mean wolves with a seemingly enhanced by some sort of supernatural something because they made they looked weird when the camera like zoomed in on them. They did like weird magical things to their faces. I think that's supposed to be when they're possessed. Yeah, exactly. It I was uh... which that was a little Evil Dead esque. Yeah, it was you know? well they also did that the witch had that happen a couple times yes. throughout the movie. So yeah, it was weird. It was it was not practical. So no. You know, it didn't look as good as it did in something that was practical like the Evil Dead, but you know, it was it was interesting. I didn't really love it on the wolves. So that was a weird decision. But yeah. Uh okay. So what do we have next? Oh yeah. So after the wolf thing and they get away from the wolves, um what oh, we lose the like rogue type guy the, the Hagamar yeah, yeah he gets he gets eaten by the wolves and then Nick Cage's character's like should we go back and they're like nah he's gone man <laughs> let him go it's like when somebody steps into lava it's like do you reach in and grab their hand out it's like they're they're done you know what are you gonna do hold their hand and have nothing attached to it great 
then the dogs will eat you too. Anyway, Oof. yeah, not or not not great. So, yeah. but good on him for trying to think about saving the guy. But yeah, smart move by Ron to tell him to move on. So they get a little ways away, and Nick's like, uh, "I'm tired of these motherfucking witches on this motherfucking trail. <laughs> I'm about to kill this bitch." He didn't say that. That's not a direct quote. Similar, something similar to that, though. He maybe he didn't say those words exactly, but basically he said those words. Anyway, I mean, that's what the script said before Samuel L. Jackson bowed out. And... Correct. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Um, Klaatu Verada. <laughs> basically, I said them. Okay, basically I said them. Anyway, um, yeah. So he's like, he's like, I'm going to kill the switch right now. And Ron Perlman's like, but look, and then like. The next hill has the monastery. It was very Monty Python. Oh my it's God, only a yeah. model. It, it was, yeah, it was, it, I don't think it was meant to be comical, but it was definitely a weird, weird moment. Yeah. I, I just wanted to be, I want to be there when the person wrote that moment into the <laughs> script. It was like, oh, this is how we're going to solve this problem of Nick Cage wanting to kill this witch. There's also gonna, like, they're not that close. It's still pretty. That's a long walk. Right, right, but it makes it look like it's like you have to go up and down three mountains to get to it, but you can see it way over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was funny. Um, yeah, so the, I think it's Sevlor or something that the monastery is called. Um, yeah, I yeah, can't they, remember. They get there. Yeah, well, my note says Sevlor empty, so I assume that's the name of something. But yeah, they get to the monastery and it's a ghost town, essentially. And they're walking around and they end up finding some bodies and things like that. But yeah, everything is dead uh, and the place is empty. Um, and yeah, right here I put the witch actress was really good because especially when this is kind of when the big reveal happens that the witch is not actually a witch, but a demon. And the the way that it was revealed and her acting, excuse me, that her acting through that scene was really good. Yes. Um, you know, you could see the transition as she's finally revealing that that's what she is. I mean, they, it's it's a thing between the characters and her, but mm-hmm. you can see as they're realizing it and she's realizing that they realize that she kind of opens up more into the demon side than the witch side. And it was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, she kills it. She she really does. I, I kind of wish they had let her do some type of practical effects version of this demon because... Once she's replaced by this like full CGI dude demon, less like, scary, right? It's just Way not more as scary as the actress. Yeah, yeah, she was so much better. Agreed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she they're trying to do this ritual to, I guess, undemon her or something. I don't know. But undemon then she demon her. She exercise the, the, the demon. Te- mm, I didn't see a demon doing any jumping jacks. I don't think there's any exercise going on. But no, let's undemon uh, but, her. I like it. Yes, exactly. That's the proper terminology, Derek. Thank you very much. But uh, yeah, the cage that she's in starts all of a sudden now it can light on fire uh, and melts or whatever. You know, if it's iron, I don't really know what it was. But yeah, it's it starts melting as they're doing this ritual. But we learn like why, though, because she wanted to be there. She wanted them to bring her there. So like, why would she try to escape? That's fair. But she did try to escape. So that kind of no, she didn't. See, that's the thing. She didn't actually try to escape. She wanted to kill the guy, Eckhart, and she couldn't kill him until she got out. Right? That's why she's so easily recaptured after he dies. That's why she kills Hagamar. She only kills the two people who could have stood in her way on the journey. Right. 
everybody else survives because they were helping her get to her goal. Got it. The demon's goal. So she escapes from this, you know, whole ritual thing mm-hmm. and goes full demon mode. But now, you know, Nick Cage and company are like, okay, well, we got to take this thing down. We're going to end this threat once and for all. And uh, so the priest is like, grab all the holy water you can. It's like, bitch, aren't you a priest? <laughs> Can't we just like give you all the water we have? And you say some like scripture. And now we have holy water. That and I don't know. I'm, I'm not was, an expert. That's a weird plot hole. But it, especially because the priest is the one suggesting the holy water. But I mean, I feel like a priest can make his own holy water. Anyway. Um, yeah. At this point. I started noticing the costuming. I mean, you could you could uh, see a lot of the stuff throughout the movie, but I one thing I really appreciate you can talk about the quality of this movie and some of the acting and things like that. But overall, the costuming was really really good. I don't know yeah. if you noticed that, but Nick Cage's character has this like really beautiful cloak mm-hmm. that he wears that has a really interesting design on the front for the clasp. It's like a three buckle clasp that that goes like halfway down his chest. And it's just a you can tell it's made out of really heavy materials and the way it moves. Um, And then even but but it doesn't stop there because that is a beautiful piece. But then as soon as he takes that cloak off, his armor underneath is all just so much effort went into that. Yeah. Yeah. So kudos to whoever did the costuming on this, because it was really beautiful so much that I was literally shopping for. Yeah, if, if you didn't know this about me, I think I've mentioned it a couple times, but I I do collect movie props and costumes, and so I literally started trying to search out some of the costumes from this movie, and nice. I did I did find one, but it wasn't for sale anymore. But it did go at auction a few years ago. Nick Cage's full costume for seven hundred, or it didn't meet its reserve at seven hundred and fifty dollars, which I thought was that's not bad, ridiculous. That's yeah. uh, you would you couldn't pay somebody to make that for no. anywhere near that amount of money. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you look at the stuff that was practical in this yeah. movie, the quality is pretty solid. It's good looking stuff. Yeah. All the swords. Yeah. Everything, mm-hmm. everything, all the things they held and wore were really good. And, yeah, you know, the set pieces, the town, you know, and stuff like that. It all looked really good. It's really just the CGI stuff, the the reshoots that I think hinder the quality. Well, and a lot of the writing was not great. I, I honestly, I guess yeah. we haven't really touched on it at this point. We haven't said much about Ron Perlman. And I think that's fair because I was pretty disappointed in his performance in this movie. It just felt very boring. And like, I don't want to say wooden because he's not a wooden actor, but it just his character just didn't feel like anything interesting. And Nick Cage's character is much more interesting. Maybe that was by design. But yeah, he's, he's underutilized in this movie because he's really there to just be the muscle yeah. and to give Nick Cage somebody to bounce off of. Right. right. But like he I mean, it's Ron Perlman. He can be so much more than that. And so he's just yeah, he's underutilized in this movie. Yeah, it was definitely disappointing. I was excited. I always get excited when I see Ron Perlman in a movie. But yeah, this movie was not it for him. Sadly, I, I thought we were going to see him and Kai kind of have like this budding mentor mentee relationship that kind of begrudgingly happens over the course of the film, but we didn't get that, but that's what I was expecting. 
even early on in the movie, I could tell that they weren't going to utilize him appropriately. So I thought what they were going to do with him was give him the Black Plague, and uh, that gives Nick Cage's character motivation to to go on this quest. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah, I feel like that would have been maybe even better. Dare I say? Because really, the whole movie hinges on the fact that Nick Cage's character is a caring person about this girl that he's never met. That reminds him of a person he killed. Well, that's it's his guilt that's driving him, and sure. she even calls that out towards the end too. But I think you're right. I think your motivation would have been a, a stronger motivation. Yeah, but they didn't do that. So you know, yeah. So then the end is really just this giant fight scene with a CGI demon and a bunch of uh, corpses with weird bloated face prosthetics. Yeah. So the demon the brings seen. all these plague mon- monks kind of back to life. He possesses them. Yeah. And so they have to f- cut off the heads of all these monks. <laughs> right. Um, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point he yells, cut off the head! Yeah. And it's... It was they do really the wall moment. climbing, spider climbing thing that they yeah. do in all these demon movies. That was another thing I didn't really like about this movie is that the, like, when they were trying to scare you was when you were, like, the least scared because they were just speeding up footage to make it look like something was moving really fast. Yeah. It's kind of that tropey thing that is it's it was fun or it was like pretty common around the time this movie was made they did that a lot in like the early aughts and and late 20 late 2000s and hmm. horror movies so you know that's probably why we're sick of it because that was a trope that was like 13 years ago or something but yeah it was not great but yeah they, they all these monks come back to life they start decapitating them um and then we yeah we see the fight with the with the cgi demon and he goes after Nick Cage's character and the, the demon starts like wing stabbing him. He has spikes in his wing and, it, and Nick Cage is like hugging this, cre- this creature uh, while the while the other guy performs the ritual. And so it's just like stabbing him. But Nick Cage is just hanging on to this character mm-hmm. or this uh, CGI creature. Um, and eventually the uh, the ritual goes through. Nick Cage well, so Kai, Kai has to finish the ritual because right. yeah, the, the, priest the priest gets killed. Dies. Yeah. So Kai he fulfills, he uh, fulfills the prophecy, and uh, good thing he can speak Latin, right? He didn't actually speak any Latin. He was just like reading things he could see on the page and didn't know what they meant. He was hoping he was reading the right spell. I don't but, know. Can uh, you read Latin? <laughs> no, I'm not. Man, I'm not faulting him. Of course, I wasn't born in the Middle Ages when that was a more common language, you know. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so he finishes the, the ritual. The demon bursts into something. And everything's better now, except Nick Cage is still lying on the floor, dying and bleeding. Uh, and then we get nudity. There which, it is. You know, boom. You don't really see anything, but there's a naked girl just laying on the ground, formerly a demon. Now, <laughs> now a naked girl. The artist formerly known as Demon. That's right. Um, yeah. So nudity. Oh, yeah. Nick Cage dies at the end. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. We're at the end of the movie now, and he's been stabbed by demon wings one too many times and can't recover. That's right. And yeah. uh, then we get our voiceover ending with uh, with uh, Kai riding off into the sunset with the girl and the weird lingering shot of the book. It's like It feels like that whole ending was meant to set up a second movie. Did you get that vibe, too? Like, Why is it important that we know he has the book? It doesn't really change anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. The plague is gone. It felt like they were setting it up like, you know, the end of an action movie when you see that 
this person kept this thing and now they're going on to more adventures. Yeah, but. that's a good point. And there's nothing that I was able to find that even says that they were thinking about making another one. So yeah, it's just the way it felt. Maybe they weren't, but I don't know how how they would. Also, I didn't put together during this movie that that was supposed to be the Black Plague because I guess in my mind when I picture the Black Plague, it was more than one village. Well, yeah, I mean, I think or more than one town named Village. <laughs> I guess I think the idea right is that. Uh, Bayman and Felsen have just been away for so long that they just don't know what's been going on. You know? I guess, yeah. It, I, it's I just it's weird that like all these birds are circling this one town and that seems to be where the plague is located. And it, You know, but in my mind it was a much larger issue than a single town named Village. Yeah, I mean it was. It killed tens of millions of people. Yeah, exactly. You know, so... Yeah, I think we just got like a myopic view. Sure. I think it was just, like I said, a little bit of a, you know, artist liberty. Yeah, that's uh, fair. But yeah, that's the movie. That's it. Not yeah. not as bad as I expected. I actually enjoyed a lot of a lot of it. Um, but yeah, still definitely solid in the middle area of the Nick Cage movies. I, I like think it's a, a little bit more towards the top of the middle top of the middle okay you know like on our scores if it's if you know eight to 12 or 13 is the middle then it's somewhere near the near the top of that i would say but what do you think well that's fair well all right so yeah so now we got to rate the movie right so for those of you who don't know we rate our movies on overall quality overall caginess uh zero through 20 20 high one zero whatever low um and yeah you know i'll i'll, I'll go i'll go first um, I thought it was fine, right? I think there's some really good things in here. Like we talked about, right? Claire is really good in this. The practical costuming is really good in this. Um, you know, the other props and sets and things like that. Those are really good in this. The story's pretty cliche. The writing's not too great. They kind of go in and out of talking in a quote medieval way and then talking yeah. totally normal sometimes. <laughs> It's true, <laughs> you know, uh, which which is never great, but I, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I liked it more than some of the other films that we've watched, though. So I think I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it a twelve on quality. Yeah, I think I'm right in there on that too. So yeah, I think we're on the same page. Okay, so we got a twelve on quality, caginess. I mean, there's not a lot in here. He plays it fairly mellow um you know he's he's a knight he's trying to be uh chivalrous right and and things like that he doesn't really yeah he's not really over the top yeah and so it's it's pretty low i'm even i'm struggling actually to think of any real moments the only really cagey thing is like he i i didn't think it qualified for the weird accent uh square but he did have like a weird inflection in his voice that he was using Mm. Um, but that's like the cagiest thing he does in the whole movie, which isn't really worth much. Yeah. And so I, I, th- I think that's pretty low. Yeah. So like, I mean, there's, yeah, he kind of has the freak out when he wants, you know, he wants to kill her a little bit and think, I don't know. Um, but even that's not really that not, big of a freak out. Right. So like, I mean, what are you thinking? Like, I feel like is, is a one crazy. No, I think, I think it's like more cagey than, than pig. Right. Which would be a one. So like, I'm going to say like maybe a three or a two. I mean, it's definitely low. Yeah. 
That's tough. You know, he doesn't play it as straight as he does, like Pig. That's true. Example. Yeah, or Joe. One yeah, or Joe. That's a good point. Um. Okay, so then I I think a three is fair. Yeah, I'm good okay. with that. So three on caginess, twelve on quality. Now, normally, what we do at this point is we pick which Nicolas Cage movie is going to join our wheelo cage because we spin our wheelo cage to determine which Nicolas Cage movie we're going to talk about next. But we actually have a special episode next time where that movie has already been determined. Yes. And if you want to know what that is and learn all about that, then you will have to catch our wheelo cage announcement video about that. Go to comingofcage.com or follow us on social media and you can uh, learn all about it. That's so, right. yeah, uh, that's going to be it, though. Ryan, anything else uh, for Season of the Witch? No. If you're the one that bought Nick Cage's costume from this movie, hit me up. But no, that was a good uh, it was it was better than I thought it would be. Yes. And I'm glad I could watch it on Hulu without commercials. So That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it for us. We are the Coming of Cage podcast. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. See you later.